0: Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to the awakening and wondering WTF podcast. (laughs) Rosanna Hannes here with some rosy glow magic. And for those of you who are new to this, rosy glow is the frequency of divine grace, which allows us to let go easily of what no longer serves us through the power of revelation. Those aha moments that suddenly allow you to see the clouds parting, the clarity in front to be able to make a shift in your life that hasn't been possible before. And on that basis, I'm absolutely delighted to introduce you to the wonderful Emma Buggy, who I have known, I've had the pleasure of knowing for several years. And Emma is a graduate of the Fearless, Loved Up and Free To Be Me programme. So she has a very active multidimensional consciousness, but she is also a trainer in authentic and compassionate communication. And I have been wanting to interview Emma for ages and ages about how we could actually introduce compassionate and authentic communication in the entertainment industry and media and what it would look like if we were actually speaking from the heart and communicating in a whole new way and modeling that for everybody, because the majority of the world watches television or listens to the radio, watches movies. And so we have this phenomenal opportunity to be able to re-educate the public. That's how I see it, in terms of how we can actually speak to each other so we can hear what is needed to be heard in order to be able to meet the needs and be solution-focused rather than constantly accentuating and energizing the problem. And I am gonna invite Emma to introduce herself, but I also just wanna say that we have in common a passion for Pregnancy and birth and how these early influences really shape us as adults and how important it is for us to understand this connection between Who we were when we were growing and developing and who we've become as adults and what we perceive as normal is very much down to what we've been exposed to and This is why the media and the entertainment industry is so important because we are all exposed to them unless we choose to opt out. And yet we all have different backgrounds in terms of how we start off in life. So we'll be exploring that. But first of all, I'm gonna take it all over to Emma and ask you to introduce yourself, Emma and your beautiful company, Empath
1: Art. Hello. Hi, Rosie. Thank you so much for introduction it's making me quite excited to get into the topic already (laughs) (laughs) and before I even mention my company if I bring myself authentically I just want to say that like oh wow I noticed that my heart is beating a little bit faster being on a podcast and somehow wanting to relax into sharing with you what's really important to both of us and um I could easily hide that part of myself right now, but I feel so passionate about wanting to be real and and saying, yeah, that that part of me is alive right now. I want to tend to it, to connect to it. And saying that, I already
0: relax. I'm right with you, sister. That was beautiful. Thank you, because that's a big part of it.
1: So, um, yeah, Empath Art is um, my company. What I basically offer there is I work with couples and with individuals, supporting them to move beyond the rhetoric of right and wrong thinking, good and bad, um, comparisons, we're always comparing ourselves to one another, to the world around us. Basically, this, this language that we are saturated in with the world around us, literally from the first day that we come into the world, um, people are looking at us and thinking how cute or not cute we are, how um, how good we are at school or not good at school, whether we're able to pass the um, reading test or not and immediately this creates um, a system of of judgments and and comparisons. So that's the language that we're saturated in. And it's no wonder that that's the way that we communicate firstly with ourselves. You should be better at this, you should be better at that. And then with our partners, our parents, our teachers, our um, friends, our work companions and associates, um, and so, my job is to work with people to support them firstly to understand what's really going on underneath all of that language and find the gold, because actually, what we're always trying to say is something that's very important to us. You know, we're trying to get across something really important when we speak in those tragic ways. So, helping people to understand that and then helping them to communicate that to one another and to listen to each other from that same space of curiosity and wondering, what, what is it that you're really trying to say when you call me an effing idiot? <laughs> I'm trying, I, I actually, I, I'm, I'm curious. I'm, I'm wanting to go underneath the words and meet the heart that's, that's obviously in a lot of pain and trying to tell me something important
0: i love that you've actually gone straight there actually because one of the <laughs> things i definitely wanted to pick up on was something we had in an earlier conversation which was like can, can you like be authentic and compassionate in your communication and call someone a name or swear at them and you were like yes of course you can. <laughs> i'm sure it's contextual but the, the reality i love what you've just said and i think the language that we are, we're we're in different worlds, but we are totally coming together in this idea. And I talk a lot about being solution focused rather than problem focused, because I see the world around us is still very much in a traumatized state. And why that is, is just generational trauma that has been passed from one generation to the next. And by trauma, I mean, unprocessed pain. You know, whether it's physical, emotional, psychological, or spiritual, or all of them, some of the above. And we've never had the tools to actually be able to process that pain. So it's kind of been shoved to the next generation to deal with, next generation to deal with. And now we have at least 60 years worth of research around prenatal and neonatal influences, the first seven years of life and obviously communication as well. So we don't have that excuse anymore. We've got the resource, we know what needs to happen. It just needs to be implemented. One thing you did so eloquently was you said it so beautifully. It was like, okay, in order for us to have a solution, we need to understand what the need is. Mm. It's like, absolutely, whether you talk about a personal relationship between a mother and a child, a father and a child, a partnership or anything, colleagues, or you're talking about something much bigger, like huge wars, and how do we resolve those wars? You you, again, you said something so beautiful about the fact that we need to be heard, and our pain needs to be acknowledged. Do you want to speak to that for a sec?
1: Yeah and and I think it's it comes really interestingly when you say about being solution focused I equally want to hold alongside that that in order to get to solutions just like you're saying in order to get there we need that sense of fully being heard in our difficulty our pain our anger our stress our longing for something which isn't happening and we need to do that through listening and when, when someone receives like the full presence and listening of another person, person, it's absolutely magical what happens. Like I hold empathy circles every week and people come in and, you know, they're holding their bodies with stress and they're coming back from work and all these different things. And by the end, there is this absolute lightness. Oxytocin is flooding the system simply because they've listened to one another. And what happens in conflict is that we, we, you have two traumatized people, you have two people that are holding something very important to them. And they're both trying to say what's important to them at the same time. And neither of them have space to hear the other person. So you are left in this thing of, I wanna be heard. No, I wanna be heard, but I have something important, but I have something important, but listen to me, but listen to me, ah!" is that no one gets heard. And that's where conflict and war happens. And actually the next part of what I'd love to say about that is what's really tragic is, is that when we're in conflict, we're never actually arguing about the important thing that we need because needs are universal. So I have a need for safety. You have a need for safety. You and I can both absolutely understand what that means to us, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so does every other person on this planet. Yeah. However, it's how I want to feel safe that might be in conflict with how you want to feel safe. So I might say, right now, my need for safety, I want it to be met by me closing the door and going into my room and turning off the lights and having some time to myself and your need for safety if you were my partner for example might be well actually i want us to have a conversation and i want you to give me a hug and boom we have an argument Mm -hmm. not because of what we need but how we go about meeting those needs and so how, what I'm interested in is how can we become more creative about looking for the multiple, multi-dimensional ways that we can meet our needs so that we're more resourceful as a community and as partners, as friends and also within ourselves. And we're not stuck on the only way I can feel safe is if you do it my way.
0: I love I love that you're saying this because we're talking here about understanding each other's languages, right and not making one right and one wrong, but just being curious. You also mentioned imagination, uh, sorry creativity, which I link to imagination. And from everything I've learned about early life and how we're programmed, you know the brain is a computer. it's not in itself the creative resource for anything new other than what has happened in the past right but through our imagination which is our creativity we can start to explore what else is possible right yes and that is how it's not like if the brain is a sort of a filing center, if you like, of all that's ever happened. And it's brilliant at storing all this information and the inherited information so that we're trying to protect trying to protect, but we're really in this sort of survival mode, rather than thrive mode, which is not the oxytocin path, it's the adrenaline path. So I love that you've mentioned oxytocin as well. Um, basically, we're in a position where we're constantly trying to deal with create a solution from a problem focused mindset yeah right (laughs) and and we if we keep looking back for how to deal with it we're only ever going to create the same in the future we can't create something different but we can use the brain to access our creativity you know Mm -hmm. and our imagination because you know the hypothalamus can't tell the difference between what is real and what's imagined when it comes to stress right so like with anything if we know what we don't want we can start to get a sense of okay what's the opposite of that you can play games to start to build right yes a new reality and that's that's what we need to do and suddenly everyone's in because it's it's fun and exciting and the potential is something different let's just very quickly go because i I want us to move on to the tv and the entertainment industry as quickly as possible Mm. because there's a lot there right but um you know, in this whole adrenaline, I I talk quite a lot about the fact that the world is addicted to adrenaline, and we need to shift that addiction from adrenaline to oxytocin, because our entertainment industry fuels that addiction to adrenaline. It's like chicken and an egg. It doesn't really matter what came first. It's just, it's perpetuated because it's, it's what we know, right? So how can we go from this addiction to adrenaline to an addiction to oxytocin and I say addiction because anything you do repetitively is you know something that you're building a connection to right Mm. um like we get addicted to meditating or yoga or yeah anything deeply because we know it's good for us so I don't want to use the word addiction in a negative context saying it's a a pattern we repeat and we yes right so I what what I've understood is you kind of have to go into okay, this is where we're at, where do we want to be? And we create a bridge by acknowledging the pain, acknowledging the situation, acknowledging the problem, if you like, but not dwelling in it and going down the rabbit hole, other than to say, Okay, what do we want to do with this? And I'm really interested in how the entertainment industry everything we watch listen to and read has the potential to either reinforce those old stories and that old paradigm which is not what we're going to create a new world from yeah. and, or how we're going to create something new from it and for you i mean how do you feel about the fact for example i say fact but do you believe there's gaslighting going on in the entertainment industry, in, in the media, in the way that newspapers um, portray things? Like, Do you feel the language is abusive? Do you feel that it is um, basically making people feel there is only one way to look at something? I mean, what's your overall take oh. on that? And gaslighting, actually, so oh. for anyone who doesn't understand it.
1: Yeah, so, so interesting that you bring up the word gaslighting, um, because I was wanting to write a blog on on what do we what do we mean when we say gaslighting or narcissism and other labels? Um, Because for me, it's really it's really always about human beings trying to communicate something that's important to them, to another set of human beings, and they're using tragic language. If I call the media industry gaslighting, or if I say that they are trying to push something, it might be true. There might be some element of truth to that, right? But I'm not then able to see the human beings, the actual human beings who are doing their job because they are holding something that's absolutely crucial, of absolute importance to them. And they are only they are only trying with the language that they can, with the tools that they have to express what's important to them. And the tragedy is that perhaps, yes, they are stuck in the only way that we can move through is this, this solution that we're offering or this language that we're using. Mm-hmm. And I really just see that as like, lack of education, lack of creativity. Mm -hmm. Yes. not that they are, I don't see it as like the the media are trying to do something monstrous. I actually imagine them to be a bunch of really beautiful human beings who want the best for the world, but they they haven't got that creative hat on. They're, They're seeing it through a certain set of glasses, and that means through this set of glasses, there's only this way that things can happen. There's only this way that we can have peace. And this is the only way that we can portray what's going on in the world and that people will listen and understand.
0: Oh, so well put. Okay, so we're now talking about multi-dimensional. We're talking about 3D world, 4D world, 5D world and beyond. And what you just described to me was how to see things in the perspective that allows something new to occur. It's the moving beyond judgment yeah. beyond duality of right and wrong yes and actually accepting polarity that there are polarized views yeah right but how can we now shift this collective consciousness to one that isn't basically fear focused and is allowing it to be yeah. possible for love to win yeah and I mean, look, we know we've heard little things in the past, like sex cells, fear cells, you know, it's compelling. It feeds that addiction, right? Whatever it is. And we're just so wired to anything that alerts us to danger, right? So that's Uh to be what hooks us in. But, you know, if we make a little segue just to TV for a sec, because I used to be heavily addicted to television. (laughs) Like seriously, as an 18 year old, pretty overweight myself, because I spent a lot of time on the sofa (laughs) with my TV guide. And I was watching EastEnders, Home and Away, um, Neighbours, (laughs) Family Affairs, I think it was Family Affairs, I can't remember what it was called now. There, There were at least five or six different soap operas that I was addicted to. And the severity of this addiction only dawned on me after I'd had my daughter. And I would sit in front of the telly breastfeeding her and she would hear a theme tune from one of those actual TV programs and she would stop, turn her head to the television. And I was like, holy Moses, wow, these were her lullabies. Not just were these her lullabies, but Mm -hmm. every emotion that I felt because I'm watching this entertainment I'm either getting stressed or laughing or whatever. Like, you know, there's always a cliffhanger that keeps you to come to the next one. And yet, when you actually look at the history, it's the same blinking cliffhangers. So-and-so is going to do this to so-and-so. You know what's coming, but you're compelled to walk. And I don't think I saw one example of what I would say healthy, loving communication between two people. I saw what I would say the worst of the worst and it gets perpetuated so that's all being fed as information when we're pregnant to our unborn children about the world that they're going to come into they don't know whether it's real or whether it's a tv show because we're having physiological response so there is a level of responsibility we need to become aware of now because we are you talked about from when they're born onwards but it's also well before
1: right yeah yeah, and I, and I hear it as, Rosie, that you really want us to, and the entertainment industry, to take responsibility for the kind of message, image and culture that we are putting out there into the world and saying this is the norm. And I imagine what you're wanting to hear is, actually, there's a great quote from Marshall Rosenberg. He says, get very clear about the kind of world we would like and then start living that way. So it's like, what is, what is it that, it's like, how is it that we want to live and how is it that we want to see life being lived so that we are influenced and inspired by um, our needs, you know, a world where our needs are being met in a certain way rather than a world where we are always fighting to get them yes exactly so the role of a creative as i see it is what is the world
0: you want to create you've got this power so what are you going to do with it like are you going to create more of the same are you creating from your wounded unhealed self are you creating from your soul self because you have a vision that you're like wouldn't it be amazing if the world was more like this let's put this out there right and you know i i love this term like For me, I say it a lot in my coaching, life imitates art. So you better make that art good. Now, whether, you know, art imitates life and it's originally, it doesn't really matter. It's where we are now. What is perpetuating this cycle and where can we create these circuit breakers so that we can allow something different to come from it, right? Mm -hmm. And so far, the only option those of us who kind of grow in consciousness around this have is to turn the TV and the radio off. Right, Absolutely, yeah, uh, there is some alternate media out there, you know, there's Gaia TV, there's there's other bits and bobs, but I'm not seeing a whole genre of movies or TV yeah. series. I'm seeing documentaries, yes. which is nice, but yeah. we need fiction, we need positive narrative in fiction wow. form in the mainstream. Yeah. Um, that's how I see the fastest thing because even if we, you know, I'm always looking at how pregnant women are portrayed in in anything, TV series or a movie, right? I'm always looking at how they're sitting, um, what is said about their pregnancy. Oh, so-and-so is going to need, yeah, I'm going to need to be induced because of X, Y, Z. It's like, well, who told you that? And have you explored other options? You never see that, you know, happening. Yeah. The most positive things I've seen to this day are, I think it was in Man of Steel, I saw Superman's mum give birth to him, standing up, knees bent. She wasn't in a deep squat, which is good because some bodies don't really go with that. Mm -hmm. But she was surrounded by women and she was giving birth in an empowered way. Another thing I saw recently was, I think it's Meeting Anna, I can't remember the TV series on Netflix, but Sondra Rhymes has put it out there. And you see this pregnant woman like in pain and a man comes along who is someone else's husband but he's been there many times and he just pushes her hips a certain way that the pain completely goes away now i know these moves as a doula and as a you know a a woman who has spent many years working with birth and positive intervention methods i'm like thank god yes it's in it yes we want to see this you can just affect hip and pelvic pain through the right kind of pressure and the right kind of alignment more than that, though, I'd like to see that you know, if there's an argument going on, the pregnant woman saying, um, "Can you take that outside, please? Because I'm pregnant. Uh, I don't need that energy around good. me." <laughs> you know, there's so many ways we could go, and you know, let's let's just stop having women giving birth on their backs. You know, straining like yeah. they're doing a poo and wondering why they're traumatized afterwards. You know, this is yeah. the, you're setting this up. This is what women expect. Yeah. What do you want to speak to in terms of TV?
1: Well, firstly, I just want to respect what you were just saying there and just how painful it is to sort of see that the only the only narrative that's being portrayed is one where the woman doesn't have a voice or a choice and that her innate um, sense of self and inner knowing is not given a chance to even be explored and... Um, and I, and I really hear when I hear you speaking about this topic again and again, I really hear you wanting to go to that place of like, where can we ask the woman what is it that she wants to happen? Can we check how is it her body feeling? What is she feeling intuitively that could happen or needs to happen? And that sense of intuition is like totally switched off because, you know, we're in a culture where hospitals, nurses, doctors are so exhausted and so overrun that they're just trying to push women in and out as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. And also, I imagine doing the best that they can with the knowledge that they have to take care of that woman's pain by perhaps giving her an epidural or or telling her to to push in a certain way or to lie in a certain way. Um, So, of course, we don't want to take away from the immense care that is actually in the intention of the doctors and nurses, Um, but also hold alongside that, like just the tragedy that that there isn't, there isn't another perspective being portrayed in the the mainstream media or for most women, you know, I've been pregnant myself twice and I've had two miscarriages and I didn't, I, I was never once presented an option of home birthing. Um, it was really quite a a lonely journey for me. And it was only because of the work that I've done with you and my own research into orgasmic birthing and other things that I found ways that felt more supportive for me. And I also found myself falling into the system because I just needed something in that moment that would hold me in a moment of stress. And I I went with what was available.
0: You're you're incredibly vulnerable. I mean, when we went through... A pregnancy yeah. or we're we're wanting to have a baby or a miscarriage or we're in labor we are so vulnerable and literally we will defer to external authority because we want to feel safe and yeah. our programming is that you listen to what others tell you to do right yeah. you don't listen inside and yeah I mean. I, I want to remind you of something you said you wanted to talk about because I remember, and this is the link, yeah. you know, our fertility, our sexuality, our creativity are very linked because the, so many women have very painful periods, right? Or they have yes. a, a, a negative relationship with their menstrual cycle. And again, there's a lot of conditioning around that religious, societal, you know, even our advertising is like, oh, we're white. Take this, um, painkiller and you know, go and act like you're not even menstruating right now.
1: And we've received <laughs> this messaging from so early that and, and 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 you don't take time off work, absolutely, no. take the no. painkiller and get over it, woman.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, shut down, shut down, shut down. And you know, again, I love we're not looking to blame anyone here, like no. the, the conversation oh. is not about blame, it's acknowledging that there are issues that need addressing and they're all related to each other. Um, But we could go on a massive birth tangent. Do you want to just say what your experience has been in terms of your menstrual cycle and this journey you've been on quickly?
1: Yeah, and I'll try and do it shortly because I know you want to get to the entertainment stuff. But basically, I've, I've been through years of absolutely horrendous period pains to the point where I couldn't leave my bed and I would just be clutching my stomach for the whole first two days and the whole lead up I was going through really really intense PMS my poor partner at the time had me absolutely screaming at him for just looking my way (laughs) and um and I I tried everything every herbal remedy out there you name it, including drinking cannabis tea, meditation, so many things, and of course, those things supported me in, certain, in to a certain extent. But the intensity of the pain never, the pain never stopped. It was always there. Um, and when I actually um, miscarried, I was reading about orgasmic birthing, and I started to get really curious about this as a concept that actually pleasure and pain are basically the same thing or not the same thing but they're so interlinked they are ultimately sensations Mm -hmm. pleasure and pain is sensation in the body Mm -hmm. and i i have had some training in mindfulness i use that a lot in nvc it's an integral part of the uh, process of compassionate communication so i was starting to kind of go what is this pain that I'm feeling? Like getting really curious, like, what does it feel like? What actually is that? Like, and and really going right into the center of the pain, like right to the middle of it and feeling it fully, almost allowing it to kind of vibrate and take over my whole body. And what I found when I did that, and I wasn't looking for it to change, that's the the crucial point it became not just less painful but actually orgasmic Mm -hmm. and um I'm, I'm not at the point where I can just do that with every period but certainly if I am in a relaxed space and I'm somewhere where I can give time to myself suddenly all of these painful experiences can be something other than that sometimes orgasmic sometimes sensation sometimes something interesting but but le- a lot less painful than they were before well it sounds
0: like to me it's the letting go of the judgment again the duality of good and bad and bringing that yeah. curiosity in yeah. and actually this is exactly what makes a labor shift you know i had a four day excruciating labor because every contraction I resisted and pushed against and didn't want and told to fuck off. And, you know, was like doing everything that my body was not going to help me birth this baby, right? But we say a lot through birth light. And obviously I spent a lot of time training with them and training others through them. The only way out is through. You have to meet yeah. it. You have to come to it, lean into it. And we're all so pain averse, risk averse. Like, you know, not we've not learned how to handle and move through stuff. So we try and avoid it until it's unavoidable. And yet we've got all these skills now. We've got all these tools that it's time to kind of, I would say Pandora's box isn't full of nightmares and terrible things. It's full of all these wonderful new opportunities for us to meet ourselves, right? So if we move this along, and we will have many more conversations, I'm sure, because there's so much to, to go into here. So this is the, the Meet Emma session. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, in relation to, you know, when we look at TV, for example, and we look at what is fictional, so we have, you know, TV series that we tune into that are fictional, but based on real life, you know, you have actors and actresses that can spend their whole lives playing a character that that just fucks with my head i can't fathom that like am i me or am i my character right and that just brings us into other places but if you're spending so much time energizing that it's interesting how it actually influences your worldview how you show up what your relationships are like off screen but what about the reality tv shows because these are you know we've got We've got Art Imitating Life, which is the the sort of soap operas, etc. And you also have that in the the blockbuster movies. I'm going to make an effort not to mention the specific names of the TV programmes. That's right with you, Emma, just so that we're uh, aware of, yeah, just talking in a roundabout way, but there are lots of Well, there are several (laughs) reality TV shows that have occurred in the past, whether it's being on an island or whether it's being in a house and being observed, whether it's being in the jungle, there's lots of different ones, just like in the world of birth and let's just say emergency services, there are also TV shows that are very much geared towards a specific type of ward or an emergency Mm -hmm. service of one description or another. Now. They're made out to be real life, right? But there's obviously a level of orchestration and you know, you've got to make it interesting, get people hooked. Where I really come unstuck is when it's like the the headline is so-and-so's hoping for a natural birth, for example. And then I look at the setup and I'm like, well, good luck with that. You've got about a 3% chance of that happening in this environment. And that's just the environment. That's not even someone speaking to this person. But we've been living in a world where we defer to external authority in the world of birth and pregnancy, and you know I spent years chairing the maternity, well, being a user rep and then a chair for the maternity services liaison committee at Croydon University Hospital, so I work very much with the hospitals. There's a real litigation focus you've got really well meaning people that want to do their job well, but they're under so much pressure, as we said, Mm -hmm. and you know, who is the thing that goes wrong going to be pinned on? So unless we actually stick to the policy as it's outlined, this is what you should do at this point and this point and this point, then you know people aren't covered the people that are are there for you in this time of need aren't covered in their decision making so so we understand that but then we have to dig a little deeper and say well what is that based on what is what are these guidelines based on oh we thought they would all be brilliant evidence but oh hold on some of it's a bit shaky maybe we need to review this so the curiosity has to go in to create the change but when you actually come along and you're seeing people on reality TV shows communicating with each other. And the way they're communicating is, I don't want to say a judgmental
1: word, but it's just so, mm, complete this for me. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, why don't you say the judgmental word, Rosie, embrace it. And I'll, and I'll, I'll guess what's important for you behind that
0: sure so yeah i just see well we have this huge like celebrity focus right people wanting to be celebrities right Mm -hmm. wanting to be seen so there's this whole look of looking a certain way acting a certain way but what i see so often in the communication style is lowest common denominator it's like really low energy in terms of how Mm -hmm. to communicate um the worst of the worst you know it's like. Mm speaking to each other in
1: this way what does it say you know like do you get what i mean is it is it something like it's lacking respect for you or lacking a sense of um it reminds me of the playground it
0: reminds me of how we gather you know we decide who's popular and who we need to side with and you know who's the person to be seen with and all the rest of it and then We are constantly I mean, this is the interesting thing about judgment. We're pitching ourselves. Am I as good as or better than or more intelligent or more this than this person? Right. Right. Yeah. So that's the that's the crux of it. The language is competitive, rather than cooperative. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I mean, in a lot of these programmes, there is this sense of who's going to win, right? Yeah, yeah. Because there is that sense of competition.
1: And and is it, Rosie, that that what you're really longing to see in these TV shows, and I'll bring it back to the maternity ward programmes or the ambulance sort of, you know, um, ER ER-based shows, Um, I wonder if what you're longing to see there is that the, the nurses, the doctors, the people who are interacting with the patients, that there's more a sense of cooperation and doing this together and listening to the patient and having a conversation with them and that that's something that you're missing.
0: Yeah. It's the empowerment, isn't it? Of like you touched on it earlier. I mean, we're talking about two different things here, obviously, but it's like the, in situations where someone is vulnerable, their health, the pregnancy, whatever is going on, their, their safety is threatened in that moment. We have all been conditioned trained whatever you want to call it to defer to external authority you know if you've been burgled you call the police right
1: yeah. if
0: if there's some kind of threat that's beyond you someone's just had a heart attack in front of you 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 call an ambulance right and then yeah. you, you kind of defer to the experts to do that bit but yeah where have we done this so
1: much that we've forgotten
0: we are the expert when it comes yeah, to... Yeah, yeah. So you really concept. you
1: really want people to be empowered to look within, find their own source of energy and, and intuition and connect to that and to be able to act from that place rather than from a sense of helplessness and not knowing.
0: Yes, that and also the recognition that we have different systems, right? Like, I mean, in health in particular, we have got different systems of health and well-being, And the the system that is the mainstream system is based on an allopathic approach to health. It's not a holistic, it's not, um, you know, mind, body, spirit's very much biomechanical, this is the person. And yet we recognize stress is a huge factor in everything, including how our immune system functions. But I think it's more about, the open-mindedness of saying, well, look, in my area of expertise, this is what I know. What else have you learned? What have you discovered? What would what path would you like to take? You know, that's I would yeah. love I would love to see, let's just say as an example, but because I do want to get back to the reality, um, the more, <laughs> the more like the things we watch and think, oh, I want to look like so and so, for example, or oh, I want what they've got, sort of thing. I think that's important because it's always being yeah. modelled. But um, You know, if we were to actually look at a model for the future and actually say, all right, well, you know, I would really value a system where we recognize our own inner authority, those of us who want to take some responsibility and manage our own health, etc, that we're supported to do that. We're not shut down. We're not, you know, I've personally been in situations where I've been told, you know, by my GP, if you loved your child, you would do this. You know,
1: mm.
0: um, I've been questioned in decisions I've made when I have presented my child to A&E and they're looking at something completely different and go, well, why haven't you done this? And why haven't you done that? It's like, because I don't believe that is the right course of action for my child. Well, in my esteemed opinion, you should do And it's like, okay, well, what do you know about this? What do you know about that? Silence. And I'm like, so you can't talk to me about these things that I've researched, but you're still telling me what to do. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I have a with that. <laughs> it's, 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 it's mind-boggling for you, in a sense, that it's like, wow, I've done so much research. I want to have a sense of choice around how I interact with healthcare and what what the choices that I make for myself and my daughter. And that it's really frustrating and weird when you have these people who are in positions that seem that they are above above your intuition above your choice above you and they're just basically saying I know what's right for you you should do it end of story Hmm. that's infuriating for you because it cuts off any part of you that has um any choice any empowerment to make a decision that's more in alignment with what you think would be healthy and right for you and your daughter
0: yeah absolutely bang on god I feel understood thanks Emma (laughs) Now, let's take this back to our islands and our jungles and our houses (laughs) and imagine for a moment that, you know, we've got a whole generation of youth that are watching these programmes and going, oh, well, you know, in order for me to be loved and popular, I need to look like this, I need to sound like this, I need to do this, I need to, yeah, I need to do all these things that are being presented to me on the screen.
1: Yeah, so already we just hear that the needs that they have is love and acceptance and wanting to be seen. So I just wanted to bring that in and just say, like, already when you say, in order to be, I need to do X, Y and Z, that we can connect with how, how sweet, how beautiful are those needs? How much can we relate to them? We all want to be loved. We all want to be accepted. We all want to be seen. My others mm-hmm. don't mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. yeah and the tragedy there is maybe that these tv shows are perhaps representing that the only way or the right way or the best way to meet that need is if you look like this or if you do a certain thing or if you compete with one another mm-hmm. and that's where that's where the tragedy is lies because then our young our young people or anyone watching it I know that myself when I watch those shows I, I start looking at my tummy <laughs> <laughs> I start, yeah. like, going, oh dear yeah and I start yeah. to judge myself and I imagine that that's happening for for most people who watch those shows
0: well you know even if we just look at the fact that you know 13 years ago I'm just trying to think now 20 years ago, there was no Facebook. I can't remember how long ago it kind of came. Mm. There was no social media as we know it, right? And now we're living in a world where there's so much that is attached to how much other people acknowledge us and witness us. When we actually look at youngsters. I mean, I know when I was a kid, I wanted to be a famous pop star. Because I, you know, Madonna was my hero. And I wanted... I figured that if I had that many people watching me and that many people listening and, you know, loving what I do, then I would feel loved, right? And yeah. this is so true for so many of it. We're all looking to belong, right? We're all looking at some level. But we're also looking to state our individuality and who we are as an individual within a, 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 a whole, if you like, right? Yeah. And so I just think, what turn could these... These shows actually take that could be really a healthy modelling for us moving forward because they've obviously met a need, and you know most of us. When I say most, I'm sorry to be generalist, but in the Western world, what people do to relax is they they watch or listen to or participate in some form of entertainment, right? Yeah. And you know whether it's a magazine telling you what to wear, what to eat, what to look like, whatever. Whether it's a TV show or a podcast or whatever, it's all there. And, and so how could we now engage people and help them be fascinated with being the best version of themselves? And by that, the most authentic, as you said, mm. and compassionate. What if that was the best?
1: Yeah, and, and I'd love to start, I, I, I won't mention names because we're not mentioning names of shows, but there is definitely one show out there that I imagine many people have watched and it's centred on couples who are going through um, therapy. They are, we see them actually going through the experience of sharing everything that's on their heart, speaking to each other in these really tragic ways. And we see that the therapist who is listening to them is helping them to actually kind of unpack those patterns, those traumas, those wounds, and get to the place where they're like, ah okay you my partner sees me in that my partner sees me in everything that I'm holding Mm -hmm. the same is done the other way around so they see each other and then they move towards like oh what can we what can I do to help you with that what can I do to help you with yours and so you see this transformation of a couple that comes in, rah, like you know, hating each other, and 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 leaving with a, a real sense of togetherness, understanding, and and wanting to kind of work as a as a team. Mm hmm. Mm
0: hmm. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I love that, and okay. it's it's brought me to I think final points for us to wrap up with is we know from our kind of multi-dimensional perspective so we're not saying that there's a right or there's a wrong we just know there's a physical world that we call the third dimensional the programmed world if you like that being conditioned to in order to start to break free from that we have to engage the mind and start questioning and asking what else is possible which is what i equate as the fourth dimension when people start exploring alternatives to what their conditioning was but still very much the realm of the mind it's this sense of deferring to understanding everything and then there's an evolution beyond that which is the realm of the heart which is what we're talking about and it's like you know how can we create more positive energy in the world right how can we create for me a world that is peace fueled rather than than struggle and and problem fueled as it were and i think we were talking off camera about the The fact that we can clear the memory we have all these tools for clearing the memory of the past and previous painful experiences but we our nature is holographic we're not just forward backward think there's so much that we're learning about our nature and the power of our our consciousness if you like and so we also have the expectations of the future that we need to address because if we rely on the past we'll only ever create the past in the future right and there's that expectation whenever we're in new unfamiliar territory we're looking for something familiar so if we're not careful we will deflect back to what was familiar and what we knew but we're moving beyond so if what we knew was when i'm stressed i'm going to go and buy a mcdonald's
1: (laughs) versus when i'm stressed i'm going to go for a walk or do yeah we're creating new neurological pathways that we can walk
0: we have to really reinforce those pathways which is the power of the entertainment industry and the media it's like constant reinforcing we need this positive narrative reinforced again and again and again and again for us to expect it to be normal right so if you and i were able to take over the world for a day What, what would you do like bringing your expertise into the far like for me, I'm interested in the fastest way. I believe in one generation, we could actually shift the expectation in terms of dealing with conflict from war to actually being able to um, create, create meet the need and therefore create a new pathway. Mm-hmm. So I call that peace or star piece. What do you feel would be the most important place to start? Um, to be able to affect this change? Like, are you with me on this entertainment idea? Is there something else that you feel would be more of an option?
1: I'm definitely with you on the entertainment idea. I mean, I'm with you because I also just don't watch it anymore because I'm so exhausted by constantly trying to translate what people are saying in this tragic language. Um, And I'd love to see more examples like the example that I just gave where people are being asked to do the inner work and to, and to connect with the wounded parts of themselves in front of like, you know, a live audience on TV. I think that's something so powerful because when we show our vulnerabilities and we are welcoming them, accepting them and celebrating them on live TV, it literally sends out the message that it's okay to be vulnerable. And not only is it okay for it to be vulnerable, it's empowering because you learn what it is that you are really wanting to to understand about yourself. And that gives you the opportunity to change and to grow and to move towards what you really want. So I would love to see more shows that are, um, particularly the reality shows, I think, have the the opportunity to do that. Um, I'd love to see that more in the entertainment industry. I'd also love to see that in news. But I think before before we get to the news um, being portrayed in a different way, I think it does come down to changing our education system Mm. and changing all of the systems that we are totally entrenched in and saturated in. Mm. Our places of work, um, the places that we spend all of our time in, and I, I think For me, at least the way that I go about doing that is by starting with the family relationship, because all of the people who are in relationships and who have children are going out into the working world and bringing themselves and the way that they communicate out into the working world. But I also think it's important to to bring that into businesses, to bring that into schools and to support teachers to, to do the work, to do the inner work so that they can be more um, empathic towards themselves and therefore to the students. But even in schools, it's it's the system behind the system, because if the teachers are not um, having, not being listened to from above, then they're still going to have that kind of pressure, that overarching, you need to bring these results and you need to do it this way. And that's going to make it almost impossible for the teachers to then um bring that empathic quality and spaciousness to the children when they're teaching because they have all of that expectation from above them so i think it, it really requires um, people who are willing to go out into the world and teach a different way of um, of communicating a different way of understanding listening and expressing ourselves um in every single direction. We're undoing the habits of a lifetime. And my, my teacher, Joran Mossensen, he would say something like, this, this habit is thousands of years old. We can't change it like that. We, we need to, we, we really need to make a collective effort for that to happen. But if every single individual who's making that change on their own is affecting hundreds of people. Thousands,
0: even more. Thousands. You know, like you, you've just spoken. I mean, you said teach a different way, but I think it's more from what you've shown me today. It's model a different be. way. Be it's a model teacher. a different
1: way. Yeah, thank yes. you, actually, for, for saying that, because be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah. I think, is, was it Gandhi who said that? It was
0: gandhi and also as we change our view of the world the world around us changes we we have you know an energetic impact just because we're seeing through a different lens yeah so you know perfect finish off here is you know i like the but why (laughs) you know the but why that comes when a a toddler doesn't ask why but says no it asserts its own power right and like no my will is no and then we get to a sort of formative age of seven, eight, whatever. And it's like, but why? Why is it like this? Why is it like yeah. this? Then as a <laughs> teenager, it, you hit it again. And it's like, good, we need to celebrate this and not squash it because what you described totally. in the education system is exactly the same in the maternity services. It's like, we, we can't, absolutely. Absolutely. we've got no room to grow. And let's just look at this. Cause you, again, you hit the nail on the head. This is thousands of years old. It's not even one generation. So let's just look at the political leaders the scientists, the doctors of today's world, but particularly the political leaders, look at their age. Typically, they are either post World War babies, first, yeah. first World War, or Second World War. Right? Yeah. Now, did they get given the tools to deal with the unprocessed, That's unhealed No, no so way. No <laughs> Bible programming? Yes. Are they no. saying the only way for this me to feel safe is to dominate and assert my will? whether it's for my nation, for my whatever, yes. Yeah, of course. And, you know, because they haven't that
1: learned that's... something different. They haven't learned exactly. something different. And it's it's literally, that is the tragedy. It is literally, I, I, I see that the world leaders are a, a, a group of wounded children, just like all of us, who actually really want to make positive change in the world. They want to to protect, to keep people safe, to create growth, to do so many things to make our lives better and their own lives better. Mm-hmm. Want to feel more safe and secure within themselves. And the sadness is, is that it's just the, the way that politics is structured is that it doesn't have a lot of creativity in it. No, and it's the systemic. Politics does not have a lot of creativity. It doesn't. Allow for people to think outside of the box, even though there's so many people thinking and so many heads coming together. And I want to say I have no idea what it's like to be a politician and to hold the weight of all of that responsibility. No. I can't say how much empathy I really have for anyone who goes into that role. My goodness. I can do crazy things holding all that responsibility.
0: But we also have, I think we're recognizing as a, how do I put this, within every system that we have, there is seems to be some form of systemic corruption, right? Yeah. Can we look at that as ourselves and say, we, we are also, we've got some programs running that just are not aligned with where we want to go, right? Like mm-hmm. they they're corrupt files, corrupt cells, whatever you want to say, they're not going in that direction. They've got a different agenda, and it is a self-preserving agenda which has its place. But what was true for our ancestors thousands of years ago is not true in today's world unless we keep recreating it. So you know the dangers have shifted, but it's all about annihilation at the end of the day, isn't it? It's like I want to preserve my life or my loved ones or the the wider collective and we now just come back to full circle where we started, which is what is the need that needs to be met, yeah. right? What is yeah. the pain that
1: needs to be acknowledged,
0: spoken to?
1: Yeah, and, yeah. I, and, I, and my guess, because I don't think we can reduce it down to one, but when I hear you speaking there, my guess is that one of the core needs is, is togetherness, and that that's a real mourning, that I imagine our society is unconsciously experiencing because we used to live as tribes in the savannas, in the deserts, in the forests, and now we are so separate from one another. But I imagine that there is a mourning of the lack of togetherness, you know, that we're not experiencing this community, this coming together. Mm-hmm in the worlds that we in the way that we interact in society there's so much separation and distance and us over here and you over there and I, I wonder if that's the
0: but you could kind of take that down to this tribal idea and see the seed of it because we had our own tribes yeah. how did we Engage with other tribes yeah. and how, how did we decide to live you know when we yeah. actually didn't have distance between us and also, whatever tribe you were born into, you will have embodied that tribe's absolutely perception of what is and what isn't, right? Mm-hmm. So, in a way, we've got to this point of evolution, which might look more like devolution in humanity, where we have separated out so that we can, if you like, unplug from that, plug into another level, which is this thrive paradigm, that the heart, the the coming from the soul energy i would say in humanity rather than just the biomechanical needs that we have right you know our, we have our basic needs but as we have those met we kind of need more like there's that sense of our connection to the divine etc which is another conversation but i feel like we're being given an amazing opportunity if we look at where we are now it is wow. about okay we came from this we've created this now what do we want to create moving forward yes or would a global tribe look like? There no. isn't a forced, we all have to be the same and we're monitored and no. if we're not that way, we're penalised. But what are these needs we all have and how can we actually meet them and meet the need for our own individual expression as well, which is what's been squashed and pushed for so long? Mm. Emma, we could go on and on, but I think <laughs> we need to bring this to a close. So what sure. I would love to invite the audience to let us know what lit them up in this conversation and what they'd like to have more of because i'd love to invite you back and in the meantime if people would like to get in touch with you because they have a a recognition Mm -hmm. of needing to go through a bit of a process of up leveling their communication skills how can the you know i want to put it out there that we know both emma and i work with with creatives on a level where we are influencing if you like how things are being put out in the world and what people create and how they create it and that is because we know we need to reach that level as well in terms of what the public actually receives right but for your um i don't want to say average human beings that's just so wrong but what i mean is for all of us in our day-to-day relationships if anyone is actually finding that they need to Well, they want to speak to you and look at what can be done in terms of their their relationship with themselves and others. What would you say? How can they get in touch?
1: Well, first of all, just as a finishing of what you were saying at the end of the kind of conversation and, and, and linking that into what people can do if they want to experience that growth, is that every single conflict is an opportunity for growth. Every single conflict. It's an opportunity for growth and for learning and for moving towards what you actually want rather than saying, I don't want that. Mm. So, if people want to experience that sort of um, opportunity to transform conflict into gold, they can uh, find me on my website. So, that's www.empathart.com. And um, via my website, you'll see that I offer a, a series of different workshops aimed either at couples or at groups Uh, some of them are online some of them are in person so if you're in London I do also have uh, bi-weekly meetings where people come together and we actually practice listening skills Um, but I also offer online trainings and one-on-one sessions and I also work with couples who are experiencing conflict and help them to find the goal together and and work through that.
0: Oh I love that so Emma's website Mm www.empathart.com for anyone who's in the media and entertainment industry that wants to actually talk to us on the level of what is actually being put out, please go to rosannahannis.com. there is a contact form there that you can actually contact me and my team. And we will then be able to work out how to put you in touch with Emma or where else we might want to go with this and you know i just want to mention star peace as we finish this because the whole reason this podcast got created was about seeding positive narrative into the collective consciousness of humanity and i truly do believe we can have peace on earth we're so it, it's has this is what we're here for now a thousand years of peace and I feel that people believe, well, there's almost like a subconscious fear of peace and this idea that it's gonna be boring, <laughs> but I really see that peace is a dynamic state and it's actually how we defuse conflict, which is why your work is such an important part of this um, rather than escalate conflict. And actually to see that conflict in itself is almost like a necessary agent for change, right? Mm-hmm. Otherwise yeah. things don't change. Um, so we have to stand up and go no, this is not okay. I'm not standing for this anymore. But what else is possible? And how can we do it? So Emma, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. And um, yeah, just so glad that you're doing what you're doing in this world. I'm so, so happy to see you. Well, being in a state where you're really in your truth and alignment with your truth. So thank you. Mm,
1: Thank you, Rosie. It's been such a pleasure. Really appreciate you asking me to come on the show.
0: More to come. Lots of love, everyone. Please subscribe to Rosie Glow YouTube and join us on the Star Peace Telegram um, uh, channel. Also on Facebook, we have a, a Facebook page as well. And the whole reason we're going into all these places is, They need new positive narratives. So let's create it together. Let's do it with love. Lots of love for now.